It's a joy to be able to preach and bring God's word to this church family. I just want you to know that and never take that for granted. I get excited. I feel humble for the opportunity every single time. I know I say this from time to time, but it's kind of my way of just letting you know my appreciation, but also reminding myself what a privilege it is to bring forth God's word. We're going to be at Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20 today. So if you have Bible, if you have your Bibles or your phones, please turn with me to Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20. I'll be reading out the NASB version. And Jesus shows his great love for the crowd today. Jesus has been followed by a huge, huge crowd. And today Jesus shows his great love for the crowd and really shows his love to us today in this gathered assembly. He teaches in parables today. And I'll teach a little bit on what a parable is so that we understand our Lord's intent. But if you're able to, please rise. I know we just sat down, but please rise. We do this to honor God's word. I try to remind myself daily what a privilege it is that we have God's word literally in our hands. Can you imagine that? Our sisters going to places where perhaps people don't have that privilege. We have this incredible privilege to say, I have God's word in our hands. So let's read Mark chapter 4, 1 through 20. He's teaching to the crowd, Jesus, the one that we love. Mark 4, 1 through 20. He began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. <laughs> listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And he was sowing. Some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen... It was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise they might return and be forgiven. Verse 13. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the all the parables. The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary then. When affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed, seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful, finally. And, the, and those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Father, that your seed will fall on good soil today. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, good soil will be represented here today. And Lord, what a privilege it is to preach your word. I pray your spirit would guard my heart from sin. Allow me to preach your word with power and conviction. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. The sermon title is, Which Soil Are You? Which Soil Are You? This is really the pastor's burden. The pastor's burden is for 
to know that everyone in the congregation understands where they stand with God. I mean, that, that out, that's the main thing. And really, the Lord has the same burden for the crowd today out of Mark 4, 1 through 20. And he addresses the large crowd. The large crowd has a lot of different types of people there. there there's people who are hard-hearted, who don't want to hear the truth, who cannot hear the truth. The large crowd has enthusiastic thrill-seekers who are excited to be around the crowd and to be around the hype of Jesus. There are others in the crowd that want Jesus to enhance their best life now. And then there are actual genuine followers and disciples in this large crowd. Today, this could be a similar thing. However, hundreds of people are here today, there could be those type of soils represented here right now. And me, as an under-shepherd of Jesus Christ, what Jesus wants for us is to, for all of us, every single one of us, every soul matters to understand where we stand before God. This is the most important thing to know. Am I saved? Will I be okay when I die? This is what you want to know. This is what you want to know. And so today, the Lord gives us a diagnostic test to look into ourselves through these four soils. Am I a true disciple? And he uses a parable to sort out the crowds today. Who is in the crowd? He's going to use a parable today to sort out the crowd here today. Who is a disciple? Who is not? And... um the four types of soils are really four different responses to the words of Jesus Christ. Four soils, four different responses, okay? And just so what I'm learning in my preachings, I want to be as clear as possible. So what we're going to cover right now is we're going to cover what is a parable. That's just a little short portion. I think it's important as a church family to understand what a parable is so that we know the heart of Jesus. This is really what it's about. Do we know the heart of our Lord? Second thing, we're going to cover is which soil are you? That will be the, the, the diagnostic test for all of us. All right, what's a parable? And then the diagnostic test, which soil are you? And then finally, we'll conclude with a couple encouragements, right? Two encouragements uh, to be exact. So what is a parable? Uh, uh, a parable in, in its simplest form is Jesus uses familiar concepts and objects that everyone would have understood back in the day. Two, convey and teach a divine truth about the kingdom of God, all right? Just normal, everyday, common things. And, and farming is, the, uh, is, the, is, the, is what he uses to teach a divine truth about the kingdom. And what is the intention of the parable? Mark 4.11 talks about this, 4.11 and 4.12. So it says, he, Jesus says, or the word says, and he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. So he's talking to the disciples. The truth about God's kingdom has been revealed to you. But those who are outside, outside the kingdom, those who are unsaved, those who are not part of the elect, get everything in parables or riddles, all right? Verse 12, so that while seeing, they understand kind of the general illustration, but they don't perceive, they don't understand. I understand farming, but what are you saying about the kingdom? I don't get it. They may hear, but, and they, but they, don't, they don't understand, verse 12 says. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. What is the purpose of the parable is this. I think Pastor John MacArthur helps me out and helps us out by this quote. Jesus veiling the truth from unbelievers this way through parables was both an act of judgment and an act of mercy. Judgment and mercy. It was judgment because it kept them in the darkness that they loved. Meaning, it was veiled it was in a riddle form so that those who weren't part of the kingdom didn't understand. They just, I understand farming, but I don't understand how this relates to the kingdom of God. And it kept them in that darkness that they loved. But it was mercy because they had already rejected the light. They already rejected Christ. So any exposure to more truth would only increase their condemnation. A parable is like a riddle, which which if you don't understand the riddle, that could be a sign of judgment for you. But also, God 
and his mercy has veiled it so that you would not suffer more judgment than is heading your way. In other words, the more you understand about God, more you understand about Jesus Christ, and the more you reject that truth, the more judgment you will receive. All sinners will be separated from Christ and from God in eternal hell. We understand this. But there's degrees of punishment. Isn't that a terrifying thought? So in the church, particularly at a church that preaches the Bible, that preaches Christ, that goes through painstaking efforts to make sure the word of God is clear, there's actually more judgment for a place like this. Particularly if you have been listening to the truth and you constantly reject the truth. And if you die in that condition, there's a serious judgment that's coming compared to someone that doesn't know as much of the truth. Okay? So this is a very important thing that we understand. And and this isn't for Jesus to figure out who's in the kingdom. John 6, 64 says that Jesus knew from the beginning who would not be with him, who wouldn't believe, and who would betray him. So this is not for the benefit of the Lord. This is a benefit benefit of us. We want to know right now where we stand. And Jesus uses a parable to get his point across, okay? So what was the parable that we just read? Simple farming analogy, there's a sower who's scattering seed. Sower is a scattering seed, all right? And some soil fall on the roadside where the bird comes up and eats. Some soil falls on rocky, shallow soil where, 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 the, where it sprouts, but then when it gets hot, it withers because it has no root because it's bottomed out. It can't go any deeper. And then there's other soil that, I mean, seed that uh, falls on soil with thorny bushes already pre-existing. And when the, 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 the plant sprouts up, it can't not bear fruit because it's already crowded. The, the area is crowded with tough, thorny uh, briar bushes. And then the fourth soil is that it falls on good soil where the plant sprouts up and it bears a crop or bears much fruit. Right? That's the essence. It's a, fa- it's a farming picture that we have. And really, these four soils, like I said, are responses to four different responses to Jesus' word. And really, the issue is how one hears the word of God. Not if you could hear, but how one hears and how one understands the word of God. That is the issue here today. And that's where Jesus in Mark 4, 9 ends this parable with, He who has ears, let him hear. Not talking about physical hearing, but talking about spiritual hearing. Okay, so now let's get to the diagnostic test. That's what a parable is. It's to convey divine truth through everyday common things such as farming for the, for the people back in the day 2,000 years ago. Now, let's go to the diagnostic test here. Which soil are you? I'm going to keep asking that. Which soil are you? There's the roadside soil, which, which is emblematic of the deaf hearer. The deaf hearer. And a lot of the, the, the soils will be equated to what type of listener are you? Okay, so verse 4, the bird comes down and snatches a seed that was sown or, or thrown onto the roadside. The roadside was hardened because of, of travelers and, and horses and other things uh, traveling on the soil. It's hard. It's packed in. It's like clay right now. There's no way that seed could come, uh, take root. The birds come and it becomes bird food for them. Now, verse 15, Jesus gives us an explanation of what this means. Mark 4, 15, if I could draw your eyes to the, that verse. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately, immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. Satan is that bird that takes away the word. There's no penetrating. It's it just, I'm going to have no interest. How does Satan do this? Well, 2 Corinthians 4, 3, 4 says that Satan has blinded those to the gospel because he has blinded their eyes. He's veiled the, the knowledge of the gospel to those who are blinded. Satan blinds those so they can't see the gospel. They can't understand the gospel. And they reject the word. Luke 8, 5 says they, they trampled underfoot the word of God. How do you trample the word of God? 
you listen to it and you go like, whatever. You treat it like any other news. You treat it like as you're scrolling through your, your uh, social media feeds or you're scrolling through some Google search. Yeah, this information, information, information. This is just another set of information that I don't really need to listen to. That's how you trample underfoot the Word of God. Meaning you hear the Word, the Word is taught, and you just kind of walk away indifferent. Huh. It's no different from CNN. And really, it's interesting, as Jesus, I told you, Jesus loves the crowd. Who was in the crowd who would fit under this category? Do you remember? Do you remember some scribes saying, Jesus, we understand all your teachings, we understand what you're saying, but you know what, you're doing all these things under the power of Satan? I mean, there are scribes and Pharisees whose hearts were absolutely hardened. Their only reason for being around is to kind of catch them, to kind of find more information about them. Satanic liars, what they call them. Now today, I just want to apply this to us today as you're sitting here. Which soil soil am I? Which soil am I? Perhaps you've been coming to church, to a church, to Evergreen Church for many years. And you're still not a believer. You're not a believer. Perhaps right now you're thinking, Pastor, I'm just coming here for my wife, my kids. That's why I'm here. Perhaps you heard Pastor Jeremy preach on how, uh, how, how wives win over their unbelieving husbands, and you're like, whatever. Like, I know my wife is living a godly life. I understand the teachings of the gospel, but none of these things matter. Perhaps you left last week thinking that. You, my friend, may be in this category of the roadside hearer, deaf hearer. You hear the word, maybe even cognitively understand it, but it has no root. It doesn't matter to you. That's a scary place to be. And I'm grateful that if you are here, I'm grateful that you could hear this. Because the Lord is perhaps coming after you today. Are you indifferent towards what, what is being preached today? Are you absolutely indifferent? It doesn't matter. I've heard this before. It doesn't matter. You might be in this condition here. Is your hearing deaf towards Christ? If you are, you're like the roadside soil. Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Let's go to the next soil here. Which soil are you? Are you the rocky soil, the rocky shallow soil? Are you the superficial hearer? At at verse 5 and 6, Jesus describes uh, the seed that falls on soil that's been planted on hard rock. And and what happens is it would rain. It will stir up the soil. And the displaced soil will sometimes be placed onto hard rock. And then the seeds would fall on these soils. And this is a soft soil where the seeds could take little root and then start growing immediately. They don't have to go deep. But when the sun comes up, all the moisture gets dried off from the rain. The rock gets hard and it becomes like a greenhouse effect. And and this young sprout just gets withered and it dies. No fruit. No, No fruit. Verse 16 and 17, if you turn your eyes to verse 16 and 17 of Mark 4, Jesus gives an explanation. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who, were, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Shallow soil, bam, easy to penetrate the ground, and there's some green showing all of a sudden. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Temporary. When afflictions come or persecution arises because of the word, immediately, just as fast as they rose up, immediately they fall away. No root, no foundation. Christians who look like Christians immediately, or people, I should say, who look like Christians immediately are excited, they're enthusiastic, they're joining every single uh, fellowship group. How can I get involved in every single ministry? So excited. So excited. A lot of emotion. And this perhaps described much of the people in the crowd. The crowd had many people who followed Jesus, but in John 6, 66, the word says many withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. False disciples. They were thrill seekers. They wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to catch the hype of Jesus. Crowds love a crowd. Don't we understand that? Crowds love crowds to be part of the inn. 
And they want to belong to a group. Perhaps that describes you today. You want to be part of a group. You want to be part of a a group of people that you could call friends. Nothing wrong with that. But perhaps that's the reason for gathering in the name of Christ. I I want to make friends. I want the the wisdom uh, that the Bible teaches so I could know how to live my life. I want to be taught. I want to be involved with certain programs, certain events. I want to have purpose in my life. Maybe that's the reason why you join the crowd. And it's exciting. It's exciting when there's other people involved. You're no longer alone. But perhaps your Christian experience is all about emotion and the excitement and the thrill of it all, the joy. It's about emotions rather than truth. And, and, and as soon as that, that sun comes up, the heat, the metaphorical heat comes upon your life, you wither. Because it's no longer fun. <laughs> it's no longer this joyful thing anymore. Is that you? Luke eight thirteen says they believe for a while because of trials and temptation they fall away. That's what the heat is. What comes to mind as I describe this? Do you, does, uh, does a face or a name come to mind? Perhaps someone's been part of a professing believer for many years and they're excited they had zeal, they had evangelistic zeal to let people know more about, let people more, know more about Christ. They're fired up. And then they encounter a hard relationship in the church. In the church, hard relationships happen in the church. And all of a sudden you can't find them anymore. Where are they? Where are they? Why does this happen? Why does this happen? Well, the Lord says in John 15, 18, and 19 that the world will hate you on account of me. James talks about you will experience various trials. I mean, this is a normal part of the Christian life. I mean, Jesus says, deny yourself daily, pick up your cross, and follow me. Doesn't he say that? I mean, Jesus is basically, get on your death march and follow me. Christianity is the most blessed life, but actually you're signing up for a harder life while you're living on this world. And in America, I believe we've had like hundreds of years of reprieve. It was cool to be a Christian for a while in America. You had some fringe benefits to be a Christian in America. Well, particularly since 2020, that's changing quickly, quickly. And many people have experiences through job at your job on on social media just as you turn on the television you know it's not cool to be a christian anymore in america and the heat is coming on before the sake of the name for persecution is coming more and more by the day just we we understand this we we understand this and we need to have our spiritual grit grown within us so that we could withstand this type of trial that's coming. Unfortunately, many Christians or professing Christians have gone liberal. What does that mean? Liberal. What what do you mean by that, pastor? What I mean by that is they've compromised with the culture. They try to fit in with the culture. They've gone liberal. You know they have. We understand this, what's happened. My question, my diagnostic test for us here today is, have you denied the Lord when people don't want to talk to you at school and at work because they know you're a Christian? Do you, you try to keep it on the down low now? Have you denied the Lord when you suffered relational challenges? I mean, this is perhaps the hardest heat that when it gets close to home with the relationships. Have you compromised that work? How you talk or even when you ask to fudge in your, on your integrity because this is how we do it at work. Have you done that? That's a form of denying the Lord, denying his word. Have you denied the Lord when you undergone health problems? I'm super encouraged to know that we have people in our church who have gone un- uh, undergone incredible health challenges. Some I don't even know. Per- particular music leaders today, I mean, they've gone through health challenges and God has borne fruit in them. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. But also I hear situations when 
So things don't go their way. People are mad at God and denying God all of a sudden. That's heat. Does anyone come to mind when, you, when I talk about this? Do you come to mind when I talk about this? Is your hearing superficial towards Christ? If so, you're like the rocky, shallow soil. Jesus says, who has ears, let him hear. Let's go to our third soil. Which soil are you? The thorny soil, which talks about the distracted hearer. The distracted hearer. As seed is sown into these grounds, I mean, there's some good soil underneath, but this, some seeds sometimes are sown into grounds where there's pre-existing bushes there already. These pre-existing thorny, tough, briar bushes. And when, when it comes push to shove, there's only so much space, only so much resources to go around the soil. The pre-existing briar bushes, thorny soils are going to win out and choke out the word or choke out the, the plants so they yield no fruit. Verse 18 and 19 of Mark 4 talks about this and Jesus explains here. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. They hear the word. They heard the word. But the worries of the world, what is that? That means you're anxious. You're consumed by this world system. This word word for world is, another translation could be age, era. You're too consumed with the world today. This is the one who has thorny soil. I mean, good things can be consuming Raising a family, good thing. But if that's your top priority, you left your first love. Raising and providing for your children, providing for college is a good thing. But if that's your first and foremost priority, you left your first love. Your career, retirement, earning money, that's all, these are all good things. These are all good things, but they could consume us and get our focus divided. I love Jesus, but I really love my career. That, that's, a, that's a problem. That's a problem. Deceitfulness of riches. You believe you've succumbed to the false promises and false hopes of money. Proverbs 23, 5 says, like an eagle, your money will fly away from you. You think you can keep it forever. Like an eagle, your money will fly away from you. Proverbs 23, 5. 1 Timothy 6, 10 says, that for the love of money, not money, but the love of money, is the root of what? All sorts of evil. You will compromise Christ in your life because you want to make more money. You want to keep your money. And it says the desires for other things. These are evil cravings. You lust after other things other than Christ. Enter in, meaning enter into your thought process. They've already been there. And it informs the heart of what's going on. It programs your conscience. Your, your command center of how you make decisions is absolutely corrupted because of these pre-existing loves. These pre-existing commitments, pre-existing priorities in your life. And what does it do? It chokes the word. It says it chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. It sabotages the work of the word. It dethrones Christ in your life and you stop being obedient or you never were obedient to Christ because of the world. Who was in this crowd that would fit this 2,000 years ago? Who looked like a Christian, a follower of Christ? Who looked like, man, for sure, this person is a solid believer? Who in this crowd 2,000 years ago fit this description? Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, the false disciple, he was put in charge of being as a treasurer. We trust him. All the other disciples would have said, yeah, this guy for sure, he, he's a solid one. We could trust him with our finances, our money. He was a false disciple. Why was he a false disciple? Well, just like this parable talks about, John 12, 6, Judas loved money. He used to steal money from the treasury. Judas used to steal money from Jesus. Can you imagine that? Matthew 26, Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He loved money. The deceitfulness of riches. 
Jesus says in Mark, Matthew 6, you cannot serve two Matthew, masters. You, you'll love one and you hate the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus knew this is a problem. Other examples in, in the Bible, 2 Timothy 4.10, Demas loved this present world and departed and deserted Paul. Demas, who started off as a type of Judas, like, man, this guy is solid. He's my right-hand man to Paul. And all of a sudden, he loved this present world and says, you know what? That's for the birds. I'm not going to stick around anymore. i got to depart. They love the darkness. Jesus says in, in John 3, they love the darkness. That's why they don't believe. They love the darkness of this world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Let me read this. 1 John First John chapter 2, 15 through 17. John writes, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, accomplishments, is not from the Father, but is from the world. This is the world system. World system says you live in this place, you have status. The world system says if you look a certain way, you have status. The world system says if you have popularity, man, you have status. The world system says if you have money and, and a certain type of job, you have status. That's what the world system says. And that's what you're living for. That's what you're living for. You're happy with that. You're blinded. You have two allegiances. You, you, have, two mistress, you have a mistress to Christ. The world is passing away and also its lust, meaning this, all that's going to be gone someday. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. They forgot that Jesus is the greatest treasure of all. Have you forgotten that Jesus is the greatest treasure of your life? You're basically a divided person if this is you. You're confused where home is. Like You act like you're going to live here forever. Home is in heaven with God. This is temporary. There's a confusion there. You want to live your best life now. This is what you want, your best life now. In essence, you're using Jesus as fertilizer for your own kingdom, right? You planted Jesus in already crowded garden of your life because you have all these other plants growing in your life, other plans, other convictions, other priorities. And when it comes push to shove, am I going to obey Jesus or am I going to obey the thorny bush? You're going to obey that thorny bush. That's a thorny life. And it leaves you fruitless, meaning you don't obey Christ. You obey these other things. That's a serious diagnostic test. I spent more time on this third soil than the others because I have a feeling this is the biggest one that many of us struggle with. Our jobs, our families, our health, our retirement, our vacations, college, our social media accounts, our likes. I mean, all those things are not bad things, but these are thorny things. If it's above Christ, these could all be stewarded for Christ, but not above Christ. If, you hear, if your hearing's distracted towards Christ, you're like the thorny soil. Jesus says, who has ear, who has, whoever has ears, let him hear. Now let's, let's finish up here with the fourth soil. Which soil are you? The good soil, right? Fruit, the fruitful hearer. Are you the fruitful hearer? These are seeds that are sown on good soil, plenty of depth, cultivated nice and soft for the seed to get down into the ground. Plenty of water, as Psalm 1 talks about, planted by streams of water. And then you grow up and you bear fruit in, in, in the season. This is a Christian. This is the mark of a Christian. A fruitful person is a Christian. Verse 20, Jesus gives the explanation. And these are the ones in whom seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it. All of a sudden, Mark transitions the tenses. Now he goes into when they hear the word in the present tense, as if you're constantly hearing the word. Where in the other three, you heard the word. 
It happened in the past, and it's a one-time thing, and it's over. But a true Christian constantly hears the word. In the present tense, it's an ongoing thing without any end. You are listening to the word of God. You are heeding the word of God constantly. In everyday moments, you're applying the word of God. You're meditating on the word of God, as Psalm 1 talks about. Right? You're into the word of God. The word of God is the water that feeds you. This is a Christian. Luke eight fifteen says, you listen with an honest and good heart. You hold fast and persevere like the tree planted by, li- by water. These are true disciples. The first three soils are false disciples or no disciples at, at all. Now, how do we know that you, have, you are good soil? How do you know this? How do you know this? What does verse 20 say? You, they hear the word, you, con- you continually hear the word, you continually are interested in God's word, and you accept it. You accept it. This is the authority in my life. What did Chris Mueller say a couple weeks ago? Coming under the authority of God's word in every area of my life? I mean, there's no room in your heart, your head space, where God's word doesn't get to influence it. It's not like, okay, this area, yes, but th- this area, no. That, that doesn't work. That's not coming under the authority of God's word in every area of your life. And what happens when you hear the word constantly and you accept it? You bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. How do you know that you're a good soil? God is producing fruit in you. <laughs> simple. How do you know it's a good crop? It produces fruit at harvest time. I mean, it's simple. People would have understood that. And then this, this word, yield and produce, means it, it's an ongoing thing. It has a, a sense of an ongoing event. It's not just a one-time thing where it's like, okay, I remember 20 years ago I, I shared the gospel with this guy. I remember a, a year ago I, I read the Bible. I, got, I was into it for about two months. It's an ongoing thing. It's, you have an interest for God's word and obeying God's word on an ongoing basis. It's like steady growth. Right? Being steady. That's, that's what we're talking about here. And what is fruit? I think this is important for us to understand. What is fruit? Fruit is not the means of salvation. Listen to me now. This is important. I, you hear this clearly from, from me. Fruit is not the means of salvation, meaning I need to produce fruit so that I can be saved. That's, that's false religion. That's man-centered religion. That's man's effort. That's your own effort. It's not a means of salvation. Fruit is the evidence of salvation. What does that mean? Meaning, if you're a true disciple, God himself will produce fruit in you. God will move you to obedience. God will produce Christ-like character in you. Meaning, your wives could tell you, you, you've grown. You've grown. Your kids could tell you, you've grown. Right? You've grown. The people that know you the best could tell you, your parents could tell you, hey, I see you growing in your love for the word. I see you wanting to obey God. I see you wanting to evangelize people. That's fruit where God produces in us, right? It just happens. God does it. Yes, there is an obedience factor, but God is the one who gets the credit and does the engineering for us to be obedient. I'm encouraged to hear of examples in our church right now. Or people are actively, intentionally trying to meet up with people. They're actively, intentionally, they're taking intentional relationships to build Christ-likeness incredibly seriously. And they're saying, all right, let's meet up. They're getting a coffee, they're getting together. And not just to talk about the playoffs or some other thing like that work, but getting deep into the soil of the heart of the person. That is so encouraging. Because this is a formal gathering where we encourage each other to be Disciples, but these are informal gatherings where people are doing it on their own. That's good fruit. And that, if that describes you, praise God. What a great thing that God is doing through you. That's, that is fruit. That's an example of fruit. So as you're hearing fruitful towards Christ, then you're like the good soil. Then you're like the good soil. I'm going to conclude with this here. So right there, I know... We talked about the four soils right now. 
I pray that the Spirit is radiating your heart right now, like either encouraging you, which is good, and, and, and encouraging you. We all need encouragement. I need encouragement. Or afflicting you and say, man, I, I don't think I'm good soil. I don't think I'm good soil. Don't be like the rich young ruler who walked away convicted and did nothing. If you're being convicted right now, this is an opportunity now to receive living water. In conclusion, which soil are you? I'm going to boil it down quite simply. This parable is about only two soils. I know we talk about four. To get, Jesus gets into more details, but there's only two. There's good soil and there's bad soil. Right? Good soil produces fruit. Bad soil produces no fruit. There's only two categories of soil here, just to make it simply. And I want to encourage encourage our church tonight with this. What do I do with this knowledge here? Well, number one, for those of us who see ourselves as good soil, all right, let's turn to verse 11 here. Mark 4, 11. Mark 4, 11. This is a centerpiece as a sandwich between the two, the parable and the explanation of the parable. This is the centerpiece that tells us why Jesus is telling us these things. Mark 4, 11 says this, and he was saying to them, to the to them, that's you, the, the good soil. To them, the, the followers and disciples. To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. That means it's only by God's sovereign grace that you are good soil. That it's been granted to you. You didn't figure it out. I didn't figure this out. God made us good soil. It's only by God's sovereign election that you are good soil. What do I do with that? God controls the type of soil. Therefore, let's be humble and grateful. We did nothing to earn good soil. We didn't farm ourselves. We didn't fertilize ourselves. We didn't root or pull out the weeds ourselves and the rocks ourselves. God had that planned. God prepared us beforehand, predestined us beforehand. Only by God's grace. Let's be humble and grateful. We have no reason to be arrogant. We have no reason to look down upon someone who's bad soil and judge them. Apart from God's active work in our lives, we would be bad soil as well. But let's be honest now. I, I want to give us a little bit of a honesty check here for myself too. As a gardener's son, I even know even good soil deals with weeds and bugs, okay? <laughs> this is a reality. Good soil has a bunch of weeds, bugs that kind of eat up your, 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 your crops or your garden. And we all deal with thorns and hot sun. We all do, right? So you might have thought, man, I'm, I think I'm good soil, but I can see myself distracted. Yeah, I think I'm good soil, but I, I can see where I kind of back down from this challenge or where I got really discouraged and kind of started questioning God for a moment. This is important for us to understand this. As we'll sing in a few minutes here, we're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, right? This is, if we're honest, we all have these moments prone to leave the God I love, right? This is why we sing these type of songs. We sing truth to one another. See, worldly temptations and tests are, for, are to sanctify us, to grow us, to train us, right? John 15 says that the Father, God the Father, is the divine gardener or divine dresser, and he will prune our thorns, He'll prune dead branches in us. He'll remove worldly trinkets that we've been holding on to. If you lost a relationship and you're in Christ, God loves you. He has a good purpose for this. If you didn't get into the school that you wanted to, God loves you and he has a good plan for you. For the good soil, if you didn't get the job promotion that you wanted, he loves you and has something good for you. If you're suffering through some kind of physical issue, in your good soil, God loves you and is sanctifying you and proving to you by your response that you are good soil. God is actively working in us. The Father is actively gardening us to become more like his son. Be encouraged. He also disciplines us, right, as a loving father. 
perhaps some of the hardships that we're going through is it's self-induced. We have sin in our lives. We're way too distracted, and the Lord is getting us focused on Him. And that's happened to me in the past, particularly in my coaching. I felt like I was holding on too tight to that. I was kind of infecting my identity. God removed a lot of stuff and got me focused on Him. He means for good. Now, the second encouragement is this. Do you see yourself as bad soil right now? Do you see yourself as bad soil? Let's turn to verse 11 again. Second portion of verse 11, Mark 4, 11b. But those who are outside get everything in parables. They don't get it. Bad soil, see all this as just a bunch of riddles. Verse 12, this is from Isaiah chapter 6, prophesying that Israel, much of Israel wouldn't follow Jesus, so that while seeing they may see and not perceive, not understand. And while hearing they may hear and not understand. They don't understand. Otherwise they might return and be forgiven. If you realize that you're bad soil today, you're not under that category. Bad soil doesn't realize it's bad soil, nor does bad soil want to become good soil. So if you want to become bad soil, I mean become good soil, what a grace that's been poured onto your life now. You have been granted the mystery of the kingdom of God today. Like, wow, Jesus, you are better than anything else. Lord Jesus, nothing else matters but to trust in you and to live for you. Perhaps you're like the prodigal son that came to your senses today. Perhaps today is the day of salvation. And you can actually hear God's word now. You understand God's word. Is that you today? Is that you today? He who has ears, let him hear, the Lord says. Is that you today? What if you see yourself as thorny soil? Like, yeah, I'm completely distracted by the world. But you have a desire to be more focused on Christ. Well, repent. Repent of those pre-existing plants. Pray that God will uproot these plants out of your life. Turn away from loving lesser things and turn back to your first love. Repent and come to the Lord today. In addition to this encouragement, I want to encourage maybe parents or others. Perhaps you see loved ones as bad soil. Next to your own salvation, this one, you feel the most. I know I do. For my own children, the greatest desire that we have is for our children to love Christ purely. And perhaps you think of friends, family members, children that look like bad soil right now. Remember this. Remember this. We do not understand the mind of God. The story has not been revealed yet. If your spouse, if your if your Children, if your friends, relatives look like they are in bad soil, don't pass judgment. You don't know what, how the, their story is going to end. You don't know that. As verse 11 says, to you has been given the mystery, you, to you has been granted the mystery of the kingdom of God. Plead with God that God will grant them understanding. Plead with God. Beg God. Pray this dangerous prayer. God, do whatever it takes to get them back to you. Whatever it takes. That's talking about health. That's talking about jobs. That's talking about relationships. That's talking about reputation. Whatever it takes to get them back to you. Are you willing to pray that? And continue to love them. Continue to love them. With great discernment, remind them of Christ's love for them when it's the right time. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Direct into Christ. And if this is you today, repent of your sins, repent of your bad soil. 
and give your life to Christ. I want to live for you. I see my life's being choked out by the thorns. Lord, I see that I, I, I keep wiltering under the sun because I have no roots. I have no understanding of who you are. And perhaps God has broken through that hard soil today. And now you see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ today. Perhaps God has removed the blinders off your spiritual eyes and now you understand that it's more than attending service. It's more than hanging out with Christian people. It's about being in relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time to preach your word. What an amazing portion of scripture. Amazing. Even where young children could understand this metaphor of soil, Lord. Father, thank you for this word. I pray your spirit would take your word and take it deep into our hearts so that we'll be trees planted, like trees planted by water, living water, your son, Jesus Christ. We want to be fruitful for you, Lord, so that you would produce fruit in us, Lord, I pray, Father, for encouragement for the believers in this room that have been undergoing trials right now. Trials either through persecution or just hard things of life. I pray, Lord, that the fruit that you produce in them through this trial would encourage them that, yes, I am good soil. I pray for those who are laid up in bed right now, wondering what's happening to their health, wondering what's happened to their friends, that they would... Be encouraged that they still love you. They still want to talk to people about you. They're still feeding their minds and their souls through good literature, Christian literature, through reading the Bible, through hearing solid preaching of your word. Father, I pray for encouragement for these right now. They're undergoing these trials. Father, I also pray for those who are prodigals here. I pray, Lord, that today is the day that they came to their senses, that you remove the blindness, the hardness of their eyes so they could see your son, Jesus Christ, as the greatest treasure of all, where nothing else matters. Nothing else matters, Lord. Where the, they could see, Lord Jesus, that you are Lord of all. You are the Son of God. You are the one that holds us into eternity. I pray, Lord, that they will repent to you. They will give their lives to you. They will trust in you, Lord Jesus. And I pray the brotherhood and sisterhood will come alongside them and help them on their journey. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great kindness to us, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you hold us in your arms no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen.